Praise God. I was in the green room saying to my wife, I don't understand why he didn't let me preach either sermon last night or this morning. Don't, aren't my sermons any good? Maybe God didn't think so. <laughs> or maybe they're just not the right time. But as I was saying, I don't know why, because everybody knows what I preached last night and everybody knows what I preached this morning. So why did I really do that? And, and the, the Lord spoke to me as I was saying that to Jenny. I didn't expect him to answer me. But as I was saying it to her, he spoke to me and he said, I want you to lay a foundation, son. There, there's been a few months that you've been away from them. And just I want a refreshing of basic foundation yeah. truths over this launch weekend. Yeah. Well, last night we talked about and watch it if you have a minute. We talked about faith and the word and the importance of the word of God in your life. This is very foundational and fundamental, but it is critical to success. Brother Jerry, after 50 plus years of being in the ministry and all that he's seen, he told me, he said, I keep the basics. Yeah. If, you, if you're robbed of the basics, you're robbed. You, you can't keep going. Every day he keeps the basics. Now, if anybody had a justification to think that they have a right to skip the basics, it would be somebody like Brother Copeland and Brother Hagen and Pastor Nancy and these people and Brother Jerry who've been around it for more than half a century from the pulpit. If anybody had a right to feel like I've, I've worked hard enough, I can skip the basics, they have the right. Not me or you, they have the right. But, they, but he told me, he said, I, I stay with the basics every day. The basics keep me going forward. When he was a brand new Christian, the basics got him the first step of the journey. Then it got him the 10th step of the journey. Now he's into the thousandth mile of his journey in faith, and he's still doing the basics because without the basics, you don't step. You want to stagnate in your life? Just stop the basics. You want to get into this foo-foo nonsense doctrine and everything's flaky and everything's a woo-woo stick and everything's here and everything's there? You, you, you just, you want to get all into this highfalutin stuff? You'll just go to a standstill. You will grind to a halt in spiritual progression. The only thing that moves you forward is spiritual basics. God can add flowers to your path. He can show you new scenery that you've never seen. You can see the move of God here with dancing and shouting and drunkenness. Praise God. That's not the basics. But it is something on our journey where we go, wow, look at God's variety. Wow, look at that miracle. Oh, my God. Look at that person just got healed. Oh, Lord, their arm just grew out. See, those aren't basics. God will color your path to show you his power as you walk. But those things, watching those things doesn't move you forward. What moves you forward is basic spiritual habits that keeps you stepping in the right direction. Praying in the Holy Ghost every day is a step. Reading your word, the Bible, and meditating until a revelation and a truth burns up within your heart is a step. Worshiping God and spending time with him, honoring him and praising him is a step. You stop doing those basics, you stop walking. Are you listening to me? It never gets more complicated than the basics. There's so much that can happen and God will color your path with many wondrous examples of his variety. But the basics don't ever get tired of the basics. Don't ever get tired of the monotony of the basics. Keep it fresh. For Brother Jerry to look at me and say, the reason I'm at where I am today is because of basics. And I keep doing the basics. Yes. And he said to me, because I, I ask him, I'm smart. I'm around men of God that are smarter than me. I ask questions. People that don't ask questions of people that are over, that are more spiritual than them and over the middle, they're, 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 that shows me they're a fool. Because if, you're, if you want to learn, you don't just, you got to appropriately know when to ask questions because sometimes you just got to be quiet because they're not, you don't want to be harassing them all the time. But when it's the right moment, ask people that are over you questions. I do it all the time with Pastor Nancy. Yeah. I do it all the time with Brother Greer and all the time with Brother Jerry. And I said to him once, I said, Brother, I said, because he had just got at the table. You know, he tells a story about how he got the million dollars and how everyone was shouting and the staff wanted to take pictures of it and all that stuff because they'd been believing God for 30 something years to get a single million dollar check in the ministry. And they got it and it was a big deal. But now the, the, the varnish has worn thin. The excitement of that is not, no longer there because he's moved up higher. Yeah. And he was at the table right there in the green room the last time he was here telling me something. And uh, he looked at his phone and he said, oh, praise God. And I said, what, sir? Is, uh, something happened? He goes, yeah, we just got another million dollar check into the ministry tonight. But he said it like it was like, oh, praise God. And I'm like, ah! you know, I mean, I'm like, ah! 
What? Say it again. Say it again. But you see, he is, so, he is so established in his faith and he has moved past certain boundaries that it's no longer astonishing to him, although the first time certainly was. And I said to him, I said, brother, you're, I said, you're an example to me. You're an example to the body of Christ. You're, you're showing us, you're living in front of us what this life of faith really is and how it works and how the enemy tries to derail and how the persecution comes because of it. And I said, is, is there a secret? Is there something that maybe, maybe you haven't preached, but you just want to share with me because I'm one of your favorite sons. May not be the only one, but I'm certainly one of them. And maybe there's a secret that just like a secret knowledge that you want to give just to me. And I said, did you, you know, and I, I play with them. I play with all of them. I, I, I milk it a little bit. I said, brother, I know I'm your favorite. So just share with me the secret. And he said to me, there's no secret, but the basics. Amen. The basics is why I'm at where I'm at. He said, every morning I sit down with Jesus and I worship him. I'm never too busy. Every day I open my word and I read it until the Holy Ghost quickens it to me. It's never a missed day. Every day I pray out in the Holy Ghost, usually for more than an hour. In other words, he has a lifestyle habit of praying much in the spirit. Every day I'm in the word. I pray, seek God in English and in worship and in tongues. He said, those are the basics. Every day I move forward. Because I do the basics. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. I'm not sure who you are because that's got nothing really to do with what I'm about to share with you. But I felt prompted to say it. Some of you, you're getting too highfalutin. You're trying to get all this big dramatic stuff. Stop being dramatic. Dramatic doesn't move you down the path. I need a prophecy. Let me call the prayer tower. That's not what moves you down the path. What moves you down the path is cracking that book that's gathering dust, cracking it, and reading until the Holy Ghost quickens to you. Sometimes it's one verse. Sometimes you have to read 20 chapters, but he will quicken something to you. Reading it, because that's the rhema of the word that produces faith. Listen to Friday night. I can't go back into it. Get in, get, get, close your eyes and start to worship him every day. If you need some music, put on music, but you can do it without music. Wait on him, sometimes even in quiet and silence because he's the king is worthy of silence. Pray the different kinds of prayer, especially worship, especially tongues, and begin to worship and speak in your, in your understanding, that's your known language, and then worship him in the spirit where you're singing in English and then you're singing in tongues and you're singing just to him and nobody's there watching you and nobody's saying, wow, you're a real spiritual person. You're just doing it with him because you love him. Amen. Those are basics, my brothers and sisters. That's what will move you down the path. If you're stagnant, it's because you got into other areas and you violated the basics. Don't violate the basics. Now, let me read you the scripture the Lord gave me today. It's in Hebrews. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. Now, I read you verse 15, but it's actually uh, the previous verse. Hebrews 12, 14. Could you look at that with me? Did you remember to bring your Bible to church? It would be a good idea. Amen. And if not, then borrow somebody beside you or get a phone or get a dumb phone, smartphone, something phone and download something. Praise God. Don't download the NIV anymore, please. Don't download the NIV anymore. And don't download the ESV, English Standard Version, because HarperCollins bought out Zondervan. They published the Satanic Bible, and they published the Joy of Gay Sex. And HarperCollins has removed 64,000 words from the, from the NIV translation. In fact, the new, Sandy, it's crazy, like Matthew 18, 11, they've taken the entire verse out. He came to seek and save that which was lost. They have removed the entire verse. When you read it in their new thing, it was, read verse 10, verse 11 is completely blank, and then it goes to verse 12. They've removed the word blood. They've removed the word worship. They've removed the word Jehovah. They've removed the word Holy Ghost. They've removed the word. There's 64,000 words that they have systematically removed from God's word. So don't download the NIV anymore. If you've got an old version, use that or a paper version. Don't download the new ones because they're, they're stealing the Bible from you. Yeah. And don't download the ESV anymore. Can you believe, Reverend Rob, that we're in a season where we have to tell people not to download Bible translations because the devil has got a hold of the people that own, now they own that translation. The satanic Bible publishers own the NIV translation. Why do you think they bought it? Because they're systematically trying to remove the word of God from society. 
And Google, and Google is starting to do the same thing. And other places are starting where you can't say certain words. They'll boycott you. They'll, 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 they'll not let you type stuff. Well, we're in a dark place, but praise God, the word is still the word. And no matter what they do, that's not going to affect us because we'll just go to another translation. Praise God. So if you read with me, please, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse, 13, verse 14 now. Praise the Lord. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Two conditions to see God. You've got to have peace with him, which comes by the blood, and you've got to be holy. Now, I want you to notice something, because I never noticed this in all the times I'd read this before. It says, follow peace with all men. But it doesn't really say the word men. The word men is italicized, which means it wasn't in the original Greek, it wasn't in the original script. They added it for clarity in 1611. Okay, it really says follow peace with all. Now, if you look at the word with, it is the Greek word that means amid or to be in the midst of. And if you look at the Greek word for all, it means whatsoever you face. So the actual English translation from the original Greek means follow peace amid every situation you face. Now, it also would include relationships, which would be men, women, you know, interpersonal relationships. So you can include that because in a situation you face could be a relational situation, but it could also be a financial situation. It could also be a health situation. It could be what job do I get? What school do I go to? It says in the original, follow peace amid whatsoever situation you're in. And that's what I heard the Holy Ghost in the back room say. I had a great sermon for Elijah, on Elijah. I tried to preach it last night. The Lord said, don't preach on Elijah. I tried to preach it this morning. He said, don't preach on Elijah. I tried to preach it now. He said, don't preach on Elijah. So I guess God don't like Elijah very much right now. Maybe Elijah did something to Jesus in heaven this weekend and he's a little ticked with him. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, I'm, do, do people know me or not? Somebody's like, oh yeah, I better write that down. Elijah sinned in heaven. No, I'm joking. My God. We'll have to preach Elijah another time. But remember, he said in the back room, Reverend Taylor, what did I say he said to me? See, if you're listening, you're probably not. You think you're singing in your heart, we honor you. We know you wrote the song, but now you've got to listen. Now he said, teach the fundamental basics as a, as a, as a, for the launch. And last night we talked about faith and the word. That's very basic. This morning we talked about the blood of Jesus and protection. That's very basic. And this afternoon, I know, I know, I know, like I know my name is Craig Field. What he wants is not Elijah. What he wants is the basics of how to be led by the Spirit and how to be led by peace. Because if you don't understand this basic, you're going to be robbed of so much in your life. Okay, watch the others because they're all different. But I know there are people in here this today. I know that everybody needs to hear it, but there are people in here today that need to hear this. Yes. Do you understand how to be led by your spirit? Let me, let me, we'll come back to this verse, but let me read you, if you would please turn there as well, to the book of Romans chapter 8, which is the pinnacle chapter of the entire New Testament. Romans is considered the, the, the pinnacle book of the New Testament from a theology perspective. And Romans 8 is considered the greatest chapter in Romans, which means Romans 8 is the greatest chapter in the New Testament if you look at it from a theological perspective. Of course, it's not the greatest. It's all the greatest. Praise God. But Romans chapter 8, can I read you please now in verse uh, 14? Are you, are you still with me? Now remember, some of you, you're going to have to uh, say amen once in a while. Because before when you came to church, you could hide in the shadows while the person that was, that was beside you uh, said, let me say amen. And you looked and said, you say it for me. You be my spokesperson, my mouthpiece. And they said, good, that's what I was hoping you'd say. And they're saying amen. Now there's nobody beside you. Now you're all alone. So you've got to say amen. Why don't we practice that and say amen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, 814, they are the sons of God. Amen. Let me read you from the Passion. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give impulses. He'll give signals. He'll give a sense, a knowing, an assurance. Led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
Now, let me read you verse 16. Verse 14 tells us that as a child of God, you have a right to be led. Amen. Amen. Now, verse 16 tells us how he's going to lead you. Okay, he's not going to leave us hanging. He's going to teach us now. We know we have a right as a child of God to be led, but how are we led? Verse 16 says the spirit itself, it says itself, but really he's a person. So we could say himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Bears witness. That is the Greek word to testify. That is the Greek word to corroborate. In other words, he lets you know. He bears a witness on the inside of you. Lorraine, what is the very first thing? As soon as you get born again, the first thing that he bears witness on, but not the last thing, Reverend Dan. The first thing he confirms here, not here, here. You're saved. You're a child of God. You're on your way to heaven. Hell has lost its hold over you. That's the first thing he bears witness. That's why when people get saved and they say, I don't feel saved because their mind and their soul is not renewed yet. And they're still messed up in their mind. We say to them, look to your spirit. Your spirit knows now that you're a born again Christian, even though your mind's fighting it. See, because he bears witness as soon as you become a child of God that you are a child of God. But that is the first thing he bears witness on a thousand mile journey, Sandy. The first thing is he bears witness that you're saved. Then he's going to bear witness about your need for a pastor. Then he's going to bear witness about the word and all the verses in the word. There's thousands of them. Then he's going to bear witness about water baptism. Then he's going to bear witness of the baptism. of the Lord. Then he's going to bear witness about healing. And he's going to bear witness all the way through your life. And he'll bear witness on what the word of God, the written word of God says and how it applies to you. And then he'll start bearing witness on the specifics for your life because you can't find a verse. I've looked up here, but there's no verse that says thou shalt go to Queens University. It doesn't say it. So it's a general instruction for my life, but there's no verse that tells me thou shalt marry Jennifer Field. I've looked it up. There ain't no verse. But you see, on the specific plan for my life, he can bear witness. And that, now listen to me, I'm not saying something sacrilegious. If you'll listen, you'll, you'll learn something. The bearing of witness about your personal life, your personal path, is as powerful and as real as the written scriptures. Amen. But here's the problem. People that don't know the Holy Ghost say that he's telling them and bearing witness to do something. And he's not. And they'll put the same credence as a scripture verse and they'll go off into error. Which is why, if you'll if you be smart about it, the Holy Ghost, when you're a brand new Christian, he will first work primarily with confirming the word to you. Because that is the surest word of prophecy. And then you don't get off. And then when, it's, when you read a scripture, then he'll bear witness about that scripture. When he says about healing, he'll bear witness with you about healing. And then as you develop yourself, as you become more sensitive, as you spend more time in prayer and more time under solid teaching and more time studying your own Bible and he can trust you, then he'll start to show you. It doesn't have to take long, but then he'll start to start bearing witness with things that are not in the word specifically. In general, it's in agreement with the word, but specifically about who you're to marry, where you're to go to school, what you're to do. And I'm talking daily life. He'll bear witness and there'll be a sense of knowing, do this, don't do this, do this don't do this. Now, a lot of people are making decisions in their daily life based on their mind, based on their emotions. How do I feel today? How you feel has got nothing to do with it. You probably didn't feel like coming to church. Well, maybe you did today because you missed everybody. But many times you don't feel like getting dressed. You don't feel like doing your hair. And if you don't, can't do your hair, just grab one of your wigs out of your wig vault. It's going to flip anyway and just put it on with some glue and come on to church. And no matter how you come, just come. Just be dressed and come. You watched it in your underwear on live stream, but now you've got to be dressed to come to church. Okay, praise God. You didn't feel like forgiving the person. I was driving by my car, stopped in the parking lot to eat my burrito. It was a healthy burrito, so don't pass judgment. I'm sitting there like minding my own business. Just start to edge out, driving four kilometers an hour, just going real slow. This crazy guy in a white SUV, some teenager with a weird hairdo. And, and stuff all through his, anyway, I won't get on with that. But he squerves on by me, almost hits me. 
swerves, comes around me. It's a nice day. My window's open, looks at me and starts saying, you, and I'm talking about every foul cuss word you could imagine in one long run-on sentence. And I wanted to say, you need some commas in there, brother, because that's a run-on sentence. Because it was so long, it was a run-on sentence. And I was more upset about the lack of grammatical accuracy than I was about what he was saying. Unacceptable. Unacceptable is right, Reverend Rob. And he's just, and I did, what did I do? I did nothing. I did nothing. I, I just finished my burrito. The Lord is with us. I'm worshiping the Lord. I'm just driving four kilometers, coming, getting out of the parking lot. And I just stared, I just stared at him like a little, like a little Bambi in the lights of the hunter. I just, I froze. I just, what did I do to deserve that? And I could feel something. I could feel something rise deep inside me. And it wasn't the Holy Ghost. You know what it was? It's called the old Craig that has been crucified in Christ. No, I felt it. I felt him rise up. The burn, the ire. And you say, well, that was righteous indignation, brother. No, that was just flesh. There was no righteous indignation. I just, and I, I, what I wanted to do, and I considered, I actually gave it consideration. And that's wrong. I shouldn't have. What I thought I would do, what I, what I pondered for just a moment because I never said anything. I just smiled. I was like a Bambi. I just went, <laughs> and I thought, put this car in sport mode. He's driving a Chevy. He can't keep up with me. Follow him. Pull ahead of him and do that like the cops do and go like this where he has to stop. Get out and talk to him about the fivefold ministry. <laughs> Apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, coming into unity. I wanted to pull up in front of him and just threaten him. I wouldn't have hit him, but I, I would have had some words. I would have had my own run-on sentence. Laid hands on him to heal him. I really wanted to do that because I thought, how, would you, how could you launch an attack, an unprovoked broadside against a man of God, which of course he doesn't know. And if he knew I was a man of God, he would probably would have had two run-on sentences. What I'm saying is we have flesh, that we want our pound of flesh. We want to be right. We want to be heard. We want to be justified. We want everybody to know that we've been wronged. We want to scream. We want to punch. We want to fight. Let me tell you, your flesh is the enemy of your spirit man. That's why Romans says in chapter 8 as well, Paul says that my spirit wars against my flesh. It's enmity against God. You can read it there. It's earlier in the chapter that your flesh, your carnality, your old man wars against your spirit man. It wants to lie. It wants to cuss. It wants to watch wrong things. It wants to provoke and, and get people angry at you. It wants to let everybody know that you've been wrong, but that's your flesh. Yeah. Now listen to me. I'm trying. Are you, are you listening to me? If you keep engaging your flesh, if you keep yielding to it, it wants to have sex before marriage. It wants to have sex after marriage with somebody that you're not married to. Your flesh does, not your spirit. It wants to look at things that shouldn't be looked at. Do you understand? It wants to take that nobody's going to know. Yeah, except Jesus is watching you, son. He's going to know. It wants to do these things. And if you keep yielding, let me give you another one that is maybe uh, more common and not as bad, but it's just as bad. It wants to be a, a touchy. It wants to be Mr. and Mrs. Porcupine. It wants to come in and let everybody know that you're in a bad mood. You're going to let everybody know that you're in a bad mood. You better stay out of my way because don't you know, I, I just, don't you mess with me. It wants to make people feel uncomfortable. It does, Jenny. Your flesh doesn't want to do what the Bible says. It wants to whine and complain and cry all the time. That believe it or not, that's not your spirit. That's, that's your emotional makeup, which is part of your soul. And it can be okay, but it can also be tinged by carnality. There's nothing wrong with crying, but you can be always whining. And it's, not, then it's, it's beyond your soul. Now there's a carnality factor engaged there. Now listen, let me tell you something. There's a lot of different ways that we can walk in the flesh. You just read them in your Bible. In Galatians 5, it lists them all for you. Did you know that murder is a work of the flesh? 
You think people murder or the devil took over me? No, 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 the devil didn't take over you. It was your flesh with hatred and you want bloodlust. And the Bible says murder, killing somebody is a work of the flesh. Now listen, if you keep lying as a work of the flesh, there's a lot of works of the flesh. If you keep yielding to your flesh, that's what your body and your mind wants to do outside of Jesus. If you keep yielding to that and not renewing your mind with the word so that you can walk more in the spirit, because the only way you can do it is to wash your mind with the word and then pray in the Holy Ghost and it gets you down in your spirit so you can live out of your spirit. But if you don't get the word washing your mind and you don't pray in the Holy Ghost to get into your spirit, you will keep fulfilling your flesh, your carnal, your carnality, what you wanted to do, give them the fivefold ministry. That's the flesh. Yeah. Now, if I yield to that, let me tell you, there's two things that happen on both ends of the spectrum. When you consistently yield to your flesh, you will, on the one side, the, the, the bad, the dark side, the devil side, on the one side, you will invite demons. Demons cannot take over people and cannot influence people out without their flesh being in operation. Demons are attracted to flesh like flies are att att attracted to feces. Do you understand? Demons are attracted to flesh. So when you do things that are fleshly, you are inviting. They're not going to possess you if you're saved because you can never be possessed. But you can be oppressed and you can be influenced by demons, even as a born again believer. Because they're not in your spirit, they're in your mind. If you keep yielding to your flesh, yielding to your carnal way of doing things, yielding to it, yielding to it, you're going to invite, eventually demons are going to come. So you pass, somebody can have a anger problem, but it not be demonic. But if they keep yielding to the anger problem, yielding to the anger problem, eventually there's going to be a demon that comes. And now when that demon of anger and rage gets a hold of them, they're not possessed with it, but they're oppressed by it. They're influenced by it. Now it wasn't just their flesh, Rob. Now there's a spiritual driving force that pushes and propels them to be angry. Now it's much harder to get free because now you have to get rid of the demon and they have to crucify their flesh. Do you understand? So murder starts with flesh and then many times a demon w comes into play with it. And then, and then that's where people become real bad people because not only are they doing it by their flesh, but now there's a demon pushing them to kill. Now there's a demon telling them to kill. Now there's a demon pushing them. I've met people that say, Pastor Craig, they're good in every other way. But they say, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't stop it. I'm trying. I'm trying, Pastor. And they're crying. They're crying. I'm trying. I can't stop cheating on my wife. I'm trying. I'm trying. But I don't know how it happens. I just find myself in bed with that woman. Well, first of all, I can tell you how it happens. You don't just wake up and you're in bed with that woman. But you know what it is? I asked them, I said, let's talk about, forget about all that. Let's talk about your past. Inevitably, every time they had opened the door by their flesh to pornography, they'd opened their door by their flesh to flirting with people. See, that was a, that was a fleshly carnal action. And then they, they messed it the first time. There was no demon involved then. That was just an act of their flesh. But then they kept doing it. They kept crucifying their flesh and renewing their mind. They kept yielding to it. Now a demon's come. Now they're driven. Now you've got to cast the demon out, but if you don't, they don't deal with their flesh. The demon's going to come right back and it's going to be worse than it was before. So you've got to teach people, the more they yield to their carnal nature, the more they're inviting demonic power. Are you with me? But on the other hand, on the positive side, the more you don't yield to your flesh, the more you invite another spirit. The Holy Spirit. The more you yield to flesh, the more dark spirits come. The more you don't yield to your flesh, the more the Holy Ghost has reign and has influence. When the Holy Ghost has reign, Jenny, he is now influencing you in your decisions. But if you're a carnal person that is always operating in flesh, that is given to anger, that's given to these things, even appetites, various types of appetites, if you just keep yielding to that... Listen, even sleeping in, oversleeping, being a sluggard, being a sloth is flesh. And overworking and beating your, your, yourself down and hurting your family because you're a workaholic is also flesh. You see, anything that is in a, in a ditch on one side is not God. So if you will practice getting in the spirit and following the impulses of the spirit, how do you do that? Well, you got to be in the word. And you got to pray in the Holy Ghost to get down into your spirit. And then when that flesh, that desire comes like it did with me with the fivefold ministry. Now, it's not hard for me to say no to that. 
Now, I'd like, to, I'd like to confess. The Bible says, confess your faults and you will be healed. So I want to confess that many years ago, I did exactly what I told you I wanted to do last week. I chased the person in the car. I tried to get in front of them, but they kept swerving so I couldn't get in front of them. But then the red light, my salvation came and they had to stop. I got out of my car. I went up to their window and I said, you ever talk to me that way again? I'll knock your head off. You hear me? And I said a few other words that I won't repeat in church. And I got back in my car. That was many years ago before I even knew Jennifer. So don't judge me. Because back in the day, some of you were rascals too. And I got in the car and I had this sense, Rob, of elation. Justice had been done. People feared me. They did. Because I, I was angry. When you're angry, you'll do stuff that you would not normally do. You see, and I was proud of myself thinking I had won. And yet then as soon as that elation, which is just soulish, evaporated, what a deep, deep grieving. What a deep pain. I knew I had hurt the Holy Spirit. And then I, then I wanted to find the car again. I actually looked for him. I sped up to try to find him so that I could pull up a band beside them and repent to him. So sorry, I was a carnal bucket. Please, would you forgive me? But lo and behold, I'd scared him so much he was gone. It's too late to repent sometimes after you've made the mistake. What I'm saying is that I have missed it and you have too. But what have I done to compensate? I get in the Word and it washes me. Just reading it and meditating on it, it just getting around services with preaching, it just washes you. You don't even realize it's washing you, but it's washing you. And your mind is renewed, not by miracles, signs, and wonders. Your mind is renewed by meditating on the Word. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Miracles don't renew your mind. They help you. They heal you. They refresh you. They, they encourage you when you see miracles happen for other people. But miracles don't change who you are. The, the, if your miracle happens to you and your arm grows out, it's changed your physiological body. But it, miracles don't change your mind. The Word washes your mind. So how do I get my flesh under control? Well, my spirit has to be stronger than my flesh. So if I would meditate in the Word and wash my thoughts so I start thinking like God, and my mind is starting to be renewed, Jennifer, and then I tap into my spirit by much prayer and much worship, and I engage my spirit by worshiping God and by praying out the plan in the Holy Ghost. As I'm doing that, the more I'm in the spirit, the more I understand the word. The more I'm in the word, the more I understand the spirit. They work together. And as I wash my mind with the word and I get in my spirit by prayer and worship, all of a sudden what happens? My spirit man is stronger than my flesh. And my spirit man says, get up and pray when my flesh says no, but my spirit man's stronger. Why? Because I've been yielding. I've been sowing to the spirit and I am now reaping life and peace because if I keep sowing to the flesh, Galatians 6, 8, Romans 8, 6, if I keep sowing to the flesh, I am going to reap of that corruption. But if I sow to actions of the spiritual realm, which is prayer, worship, seeking God, forgiveness, doing what God says, I am going to reap. So as I'm sowing by these actions of spending time with God, my spirit man gets stronger and my flesh gets weaker. And then when it suggests something, I'm able to say, no. When it suggests, why don't you look at that site you shouldn't look at? I'm able to say, no. When it suggests, hold that grudge against that person. They deserve it. They were a jerk. Don't you know they mistreated you? I can say, no. I will walk in forgiveness and love. I am not given to strife and to offense. When they say, get offended with Pastor Nancy, I say, no, nothing she can ever do will offend me. When it says, you want to buy that new thing, don't give your tithes this week. You can't afford it. No, I'm a covenant man. God owns it. I don't own it. You see, the more I'm in the word, the more my spirit is stronger. When I feel a sickness come on my body and that voice comes and says, oh, you don't know how bad it's going to be this time. You might as well just book the appointment for the specialist right now. I say, no, the blood of Jesus is against you. By his stripes I am healed and I claim that healing power. You see, even that you can operate in the flesh because your spirit man is weak. And you just yield to sickness without even thinking about it. No, when you meditate and you're in the word, it produces a strong spirit inside you. And then when flesh and carnality tries to raise its ugly head, you have a power to say no. If you don't have the word and the spirit, you've got no power to say no. That's why we keep telling people you don't need AA, you need the word and you need tongues. 
because they're giving you soul power, but soul you're matching eyeball to eyeball with flesh because flesh is of the soul and the body. So it's your steeled will against your flesh's steeled will, and sometimes your flesh wins and sometimes you win because it's soul power. But when you're in the Word and tongues and the Holy Ghost and worship, your spirit man rises up and the spirit has no contest against the flesh. It's like a little ant against a giant. It tries to squeak and say, do this, do that. And you just say, no, and you step on it. It's not a soul against soul. Maybe you'll white knuckle it this time, but you'll probably miss it next time because it's your spirit against your flesh and your spirit will win every time. But you've got to learn to yield to your spirit. You've got to learn to sow to your spirit. Sow actions, prayer, fasting, forgiveness, reading the word, worship. Sow these, I'm giving you examples, there's many others. Sow these actions to the realm of the spirit. Sow it and you'll start to see your spirit will get stronger. And then your flesh might still be there a little bit, but it will get weaker. And every time you put your foot on its neck, when it suggests something to you, it loses a bit of power. And every time you put your foot on its neck, it loses a bit of power. And if you've got a rage problem and you feel that, and you say, no, in Jesus' name, it loses a bit of power. And if you do that 17, 25 times, however many times it takes you, until finally you've crushed the life out of your flesh of rage. And now you'll find you walk through life, it doesn't even bother you anymore. You were now, before it tempted you and you yielded to it and you freaked out on people. Now it doesn't even tempt you anymore because you squashed the life out of it by your spirit man. Are you with me? But what else happens? When your spirit man rises up strong, it puts the flesh under, but that's the negative, but let's look at the positive for the rest of the message. When your spirit is strong, it is now open to the Holy Ghost for instruction. Not only does it take care of your flesh, but it is open to the realm of God with instruction for you, not just generally, but specifically for your future. And this is where Christians miss it all the time. If Christians live out of their flesh, Lorraine, if their flesh is stronger than their spirit, they can't be spirit-led because you can't be spirit-led and be a flesh pot. Right. You might hit one, like, listen, a monkey throwing darts will hit, a, will hit the bullseye one in a thousand times. And so a monkey Christian flesh bucket might hit the jackpot once in a blue moon and actually be led by the spirit. But a broken clock is also right two times a day. So don't think because you maybe heard God right last year and you heard God right once this year that you're all that. Because a busted clock gets it right twice a day. You didn't even get it right twice a day. You only got it right twice a year. You with me? You should be getting it right every day. All day long. You should be able to live a life spirit-led and not influenced by emotional considerations. I'm angry, but if I'm led by the Spirit, He's not just going to lead me what university to go to. He's not just going to lead me what investment to invest in. He's not just going to lead me, don't go down this alley, somebody's going to kill you. Those are obvious leadings. But what about leading me in other maybe less obvious ways? Like I shared in the other service. Get out of that lane. So I got out of the lane, nothing happened. I thought that must have been my mind. Then I heard it again, get out of that lane another day. I said, bless God, I'll stay in the lane if I want to stay in the lane. Don't tell me to stay out of the lane, I'll do what I want. And I got a flat tire. And I said, Lord, I'm your man. I'm a pastor, don't you know it? I'm faithful, oh God, why did this happen? He said, I told you to get out of the lane. I said, but Lord, I didn't know that was you. He said, that's your problem. Figure it out. Learn, practice learning what is God and what is you. And if you're not sure, you might make a mistake or two. Join the club. Every one of us has made a whole bunch of them. But if you will learn, if, you, if your spirit man's strong and your flesh is put under, you will see the spirit of God will start to lead you with simple daily decisions because he's got your best interest at heart. The key to the Christian life, my brother and sister, is learning how to hear that inner witness. We know that he only guarantees us the inner witness. So stop claiming dreams because you're unscriptural and you'll invite demons. I had a lady in our church that eventually we had to ask to leave the church some time ago because she kept claiming, God, I'm claiming for you to speak to me. I'm claiming to hear your voice. You know, that's unscriptural. There's not one scripture in the New Testament that that you can claim to hear God's voice. But God does not primarily speak to you by you hearing his voice. He speaks to you by the inner witness. 
Now, he can speak to you that you hear his voice. I don't mean audibly. I mean that knowing that voice on the inside where you can articulate word for word happens to me a lot. But I don't claim it because that's not promised to me in the Bible. This lady started claiming it and a demon started showing up and speaking to her as though it was God. And she would start to come to me and say, God told me to tell you this. And she started telling me some weird stuff. And, and I said, sister, you're not listening to God. You're listening to a demon. That's totally demonic what you're saying. No, no, no. I know a voice spoke to me and I know that you need to hear this. Do you remember? You know what I'm talking about, Jenny. And we worked with her for over a year trying to get her out of that nonsense. And finally, the Holy Ghost said, cut her loose, son. I said, Lord, cut her loose. Let me help her. She's a precious girl in your sight. The Lord said, you cut her loose. He said, because she, and he reminded me of the story of Dad Hagen when he talked to that lady. And by the word of knowledge, he listed out everything that had happened in her life. Instantly, he knew by the word of knowledge, supernaturally. And she said, yes, sir, everything you've said is right. And he came down to it and he said, and because you claim to hear God's voice, a demon has been speaking to you. And that's why you're losing your mind. And he said, if you repent, I'll cast the devil out of you right now. She said, I do not want to repent. I like the voice. And he pleaded with her along with her pastor, please, my sister, repent of this. You are not in scriptural grounds to claim a voice. She said, I like the voice. And God said, cut her loose. Within two weeks, she lost her mind, went into the insane asylum and has never, never came out to the day of her death. Lost her mind, completely gone nuts. Because a demon took over her because she started claiming something that wasn't in the Bible. And this lady in our church started doing the same thing. And I said, now you quit that nonsense behavior. And after a year of pleading with her and she refused because she likes the voice. The Lord said, you cut her loose, son. Get her out of the church. You don't want her around your people with that demon. That demon will try to get on other people. So to keep the church clean and safe, I said, you have to go. But she claimed hearing a voice. And sure enough, a voice showed up, Kim, and it wasn't God. But it sounded like God. But if you know the Spirit, you know what's God and you know what's not God. And she couldn't tell because she claimed something outside the Word. So don't you dare start to ask God to give you dreams. Nothing will open the door to demons faster. Don't ask God for angels to appear to you. The wrong angel will appear to you guaranteed. Don't ask God for voices. Don't ask God for prophecies. You have no scriptural basis to claim a prophecy, not one. The devil can counterfeit a dream. He can counterfeit a prophecy. He can counterfeit uh, an angelic appearance. He can counterfeit a voice. There's only one thing that that, that a devil cannot counterfeit, and that is Romans 8, 16, the inner witness or the impulse of the Spirit of God. Why? Because the devil doesn't live in your spirit. He is out here. He can, he can mask thoughts. He can mask voices. He can mask a whole host of things. But the only thing he cannot mask, he cannot mimic, is what is in your spirit because he doesn't live there. So as long as what is coming up out of your spirit, the Bible says your spirit is in your belly area. So if, if as long as what is coming up out of your, out of your spirit, man, is from, is from your spirit, you're safe. If it's coming outside, you better, you better check it against the word. You better check it. Listen, I have sometimes I'll hear a thought will come to me. I check it against my spirit. Because just because a thought comes, Willie, doesn't mean it's from God. Pastor Nancy was walking down the aisle at Pastor Lekedic's church. And uh, a thought came to her that sounded like God, felt like God, everything exactly like God. And it said, give that person her attention was drawn to somebody, a congregation member, and give that person a certain amount of money, a large amount of money. And pastor's the most generous person I've ever met other than Jerry, and so she doesn't have a problem giving. And so she was considering giving, and then that thought came again. See, the devil's so stupid. He overplayed his hand. And it came again. And it came again. Because she was going in the back room to contemplate and maybe even write the check. And it came again. And it came again. And then she heard the Holy Ghost. You see, this, that voice, that thought sounded almost identical. But then because the purity of what she knows of the spirit, it rose up within her and there was a grieving. Now you can have a grieving because you don't want to obey God, which is your flesh. But you can have a grieving from your spirit. You've got to learn to tell the difference. And the Holy Ghost spoke to her and said, that was a demon speaking to you. Trying to rob you of your money. I do not want you to give that sum away. And if it was, I would tell you. And what she taught me, she taught me. She said, Pastor Craig, when there's a pressure. When the Lord can repeat things to you, but he never, there's never that sense of non-gentlemanly. Now there can be urgency, but it's still got the gentlemanly quality to it. I don't know how to explain that. He can be urgent, but not pressuring. 
You see, that thought, that, that thought was a pressure thought. It was a, it was a condemnation thought. You have to do it. You have to do it. That's never the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you, you see how close the devil can be to God. And this is Pastor Nancy, who's far above me, and even she was duped for a second by it. But because she knows, see, don't ever make quick decisions. God tells you to give somebody money, just go sit and pray on it for a second. God tells you to buy, you think God's telling you to buy a house? Just wait on it for a week. You, anytime you're making a big decision, don't make it right away because you might have thought it was God, but it wasn't God, and it sounds exactly like God. But if you just get into his presence, just slow it down. All these people that try to make you buy things on the spot, you just say, my pastor told me to tell you to leave me alone. Because they'll pressure you. Oh, I've got a big deal for you, and I'll do this, and I'll throw in the refrigerator, and I'll, do, and I'll throw, throw in there. And just say, my pastor told me to tell you to shut up. <laughs> shut up. You don't make decisions being pressured because it's hard to hear your spirit because your mind is engaged and you're thinking, ooh, a vacation to the Bahamas? Ooh, I like that. Ooh, and you refrigerate. Well, mine's kind of on the fritz anyway. And your mind is engaged, your soul is engaged, and your spirit down here is saying, would you wake up and look at me, please? And you're saying, ooh, I just, I like this guy. This guy gives me a good feeling. And you know, that company, I've heard they've been around for 127 years. This just feels good. You know what? I just like what I'm seeing here. You know what? I'm going to sign that paper right now. And then you realize later that they scammed you. (laughs) Or maybe they didn't scam you, but it wasn't the right investment for you. Get away from it. Get your mind quiet. Get into his presence. Holy Spirit, I present this to you, this decision I have to make. And I pray now in the Holy Ghost. I pray out the plan regarding this decision. Lord, let a knowing come. See, he can counterfeit other things. He cannot counterfeit the inner witness. There will be a knowing that comes into you. Your mind often fights it because your mind is thinking something else. But you can't deny there's a sense of do it or there's a sense of don't do it. And you can't deny because the longer you pray, the greater it gets. Don't ever violate that. Did you notice this verse? It says, follow peace with all men, but it really says, follow peace amid whatever you face. How are you led by the Spirit? What is the inner witness primarily? A sense of peace. What are you to follow? The leading of the Spirit. What are you to follow? Peace, because peace is connected with the leading of the Spirit. When there's a sense of knowing, there's a sense of peace. When there's a bearing of witness, there's a sense of peace. Your mind might be screaming, but there's a sense of peace. People come to our church that leave other churches. Can I use you as an example, not to embarrass you? But Reverend Rob had a very high position in the other church, a position of influence, a position of, of honor. A big church, a fancy church. Kim was in charge of uh, departments. Sometimes their department budget that she had run was bigger than our entire month's income of this church. Because you've got a bigger church with thousands of people. You've got a lot of money to work with. And yet they had to make a decision because they felt that in their heart God was leading them. Now listen to me. I'm sure that their mind fought that. But I'll have to start from the bottom and nobody's going to trust me. And You see, your mind can fight it. But if there's a knowing, you don't ever violate it. There was a knowing. And I'm sure you've told me that at the beginning, there was probably a lot of mental struggle lists, pros lists, con lists. Well, that pastor is better at this and this church is not as good as that. And the drive, the convenience. Do you understand? The... uh, the position, the title. You know, there's a lot of things to consider when you're joining a church, especially when you're leaving somewhere you've been faithful to in a long time. But if you know God has that inner peace, see, now I couldn't say to you, I can't match your arguments because your list of cons was probably greater than your list of gains or pros. But it didn't matter about the list and it didn't matter what they thought they were losing and it didn't matter their mind being in turmoil if their mind was in turmoil and it doesn't matter with the devil coming and telling them all the negatives and what they're going to lose and, da, 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 and it's going to cost you more gas and it's going to you're going to start from the bottom and nobody's going to trust you. Da, 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 da. Shut up in Jesus name. Get your mind to be quiet. You have control over it. Your mind does not have a right to run you ragged. Tell it to be quiet and get in your spirit. 
That is where the Holy Ghost lives. He doesn't live up here. He lives there. He will lead you with a knowing in here, and it is always 100% correct. Because he knows, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, he knows the mind of the Father. He knows the, he knows the deep things of God, which in the Greek means the, the infiniteness of God. He knows what God wants. He knows what God doesn't want. He knows what the Father's plan is. He knows what the Father's plan is not. He knows everything from the beginning of eternity to the end of eternity, if you could even say it that way. He knows your little puny life from the time you were conceived to the time you go home. He knows everything. He knows everything. Everything. He is inside of you. The genius of heaven is inside of you. Do you grasp what I'm saying? God's God. I have a spirit. You have a spirit. But God has a spirit. The real me is my spirit. The real you is your spirit, not your body, not your soul. The real you is your spirit. Your spirit lives for eternity in heaven or hell. The real part of God is his spirit. And the spirit of God. I can't even say it. It's so awesome. The spirit of God lives in my spirit. The genius of heaven lives in me and he knows everything about everyone forever. And you're wondering if you should go to this school or that school. You don't think God knew that long before the worlds were ever formed? And yet you're comparing it with your mind. Well, if I do that, then you know, I don't tick, tick, tick. And if I do that, and then you're going to marry somebody. Well, he has six-pack brown hair. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. And he is a little bit fat, but he's rich. Tick, tick, tick. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. I like his mother-in-law. I don't like that mother-in-law. But they have a holiday house. They don't. Oh, God, it's a big decision. Da, 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 da. It's nonsense. And inside your spirit, the Holy Ghost is saying, I'm waiting for you to look to me. Because your pro list with the beach house in Florida and the mother-in-law you like, you don't know that you're walking into a lion's den. And that's not the person I planned for you from the foundation of the world. In fact, the other guy that has the six-pack, neither of these two fools are the ones I've planned for you before the foundation of the world. So why don't you stop your lists? And why don't you listen to me? Now, there's nothing wrong with being specific, but you don't put your list over the Holy Ghost. And if you just look down to the genius that knows everything about everyone all the time, and you just say, Holy Ghost, regarding this fool or that fool, if either of them are your perfect foolish will for my life, then I'm going to pray out the mystery. Show it to me. That's how you do it. I'm teaching you stuff that will help you. Lord, I've got this car and that car. Why don't you just pray? Because the Holy Ghost knows which is going to serve you best. Well, it's not really any other deal. Well, then go ahead and pick your own thing and enjoy your lemon. Just say, Father, regarding these two vehicles, I pray out the plan of God. And just pray a little bit every day until a knowing comes. Father, regarding these two hunky-dory men. Father, regarding these two beautiful women. If, if, you're, if you're that carnal that you have to pick and you don't know God's will, well, then get in your spirit and pray out the perfect will of God. And a knowing will come about who to pick. And knowing will come about what house to buy. And knowing will come about what what road you should take if you're taking a journey because God knows where the accidents are going to happen and he's going to lead you totally different to that. Amen. If you're led by the spirit, you'll never be in a situation that will put you in harm. And sometimes we are, we do miss it. And sometimes God leads us into situations that require faith because God led Jesus, the spirit led Jesus into a wilderness season. The spirit led him in. Because he wanted, the, he wanted the tea to come out of the hot water. He wanted faith and dominion. And he wanted to show Jesus who he had on the inside of him. So sometimes God will lead you into areas that are not as convenient. But we have authority. God led me into malaria zone in India. What I preached in the previous service. God led me into it not because I was going to get sick and die. But because I was going to get people healed. And I was going to have dominion. But God led me into a less than convenient situation. And God may lead you into certain situations, even though it's not that easy on your flesh, but he's got a greater purpose in mind. And you've got your authority when he leads you in. But if you would just learn to tap, I'm closing now, tap into your spirit by what? Sowing spiritual action. Prayer, the Bible, tithing, waiting on God, worship, forgiveness, love walk. Do these spiritual actions, especially prayer and the word. Praying in tongues, especially, and the word. If you'll do that, what's going to happen? Your spirit's going to rise up strong. 
and it's, you don't even have to worry about sin. Sin will get taken care of automatically because your spirit will just crush its vocal cords. Well, I have such a problem, Pastor. I'm just bound with this. I can't seem to break it. If you get into your spirit, your spirit will crush it. But I just, I, but I just, I, I just, I just got a, I just got a problem. Just get into your spirit and your spirit will take care of the problem. You see, you're trying to fight your problem on the problem's level in your soul and that's why you're losing. But if you tap into your spirit, your spirit will crush that problem. Your spirit will have so much power that you just say no, 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 and it will leave you alone. So get in your spirit to crucify the works of the flesh and get into your spirit more importantly so that you are, have access to the genius on the inside of you and so that you don't claim things that aren't scriptural. If God chooses to speak to you, fine, but don't ask him to. If God chooses to give you a dream, fine, but don't claim it. If God chooses to have an angel appear to you, great, but don't ask him for it. The only thing you ask him for is Romans 8, 16. Father, I thank you that I am led by your spirit. And I thank you that you lead me in all things. And I follow peace amid whatever situation I find. What does Romans 15, 13 say? In your believing or in the release of your faith, follow peace and joy. Do you have a sense of joy? Do you have a sense of excitement? Not in your mind, but out of your spirit. Do you have a sense of peace? That's the inner witness. That's the inner witness. Follow that and you'll never go astray. When you're making a decision, follow that peace. But pastor, don't you understand? It's inconvenient for me in the natural if I follow that because I'm going to have to do these things. Okay, so you're going to pick convenience and violate your spirit. And then you know what's going to happen? You think you're going to get away with it because you're saving on this and you're saving on the gas and you're saving here and you're saving there. But you're never, you're always going to pay a price. And sometimes, Taylor, they don't even realize the price they've paid till it's too late, especially when it comes to a local church, especially when it comes to a local church. Rob, I'm not trying to be mean, but if you had violated your spirit and you had stayed, you may have thought that you were getting away with something and that because of your highfalutin position that you had won, but you would have missed out on some incredible, valuable things. And the problem is you wouldn't have even known that you missed out on it until you got to heaven and Jesus said, see where the deviation of the path happened? I wanted you to go right, but your flesh took you left. You didn't listen to the inner witness. And so, yes, you had a good life, but if you'd gone here, look at what would have happened. Oh, can you imagine the tears, Sandy? When people realize when they get to heaven, I could have had that kind of life, and instead I had this experience, when I could have had that experience, all because I followed my mind instead of my spirit. When it comes to the local church, it's one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. When it comes to marriage, it's one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Don't mess those two up. Be, have the right mate and have the right church. Of course, your job is very close to the top. Your relationships, your friends are very close to the top because if you hang out with the wrong people, it'll cost you something. And there are Christian folks that I've had a grieving about. And I've said, Lord, why? They're nice people. See my mind. They're nice people, but I can't deny it. There's a grieving. Don't, don't associate with them. Don't go to coffee with them. Don't hang out with them. But Lord, I feel like I'm being mean. Follow that inward witness. And then every time I fart, Lorraine, I'm telling you, it turns out later, something comes to light every time. And they're into some weird stuff here. They're into some sinful behavior there. They're into some nonsense doctrine there. And the Holy Ghost knew even though I couldn't see it because it hadn't come to light yet. But he warned me away from them to protect me. He will help you Live a successful, victorious life if you'll learn to listen. But you've got to sow spiritual action to make the spirit man strong. It will help you crucify the flesh and sin, and it will help you hear, his, hear the leading of the spirit, help you know the inner witness, the peace and the joy. Follow peace amid whatever situation you find yourself. In other words, follow the inner witness. He'll always lead you right. Praise God. I know maybe it was more of a subdued, you're not all shouting and dancing, but it's very important. This will save your life. This will save your children. Teach your children how to be led by the Spirit. Teach them long before they make the decision of their spouse. Don't teach them after they pick the wrong one because now it's too late. Teach them before they pick the right one to yield to their spirit and listen to the inner witness. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, you've surprised me this weekend. I did not see this coming. I thought we were going to talk about Elijah. 
But Lord, you talked about the word and faith last night, the protection of the blood of Jesus this morning, and the safety of being led by the Spirit this afternoon. Three very fundamental foundational messages, but I believe everybody in our church needs to hear them, but I believe every service, they were hand-tailored specific people that God, you had in the room to listen specifically to these messages because Lord, you're that specific about them. Thank you, Father, that you help these precious congregation members to learn to yield and sow to their spirit by spiritual actions that will help take care of their flesh problems, but more importantly, it will help them know the inner witness and let them never violate that inner witness. And if they don't know what to do, let them slow down and wait and pray it out until an inner witness comes and knowing comes, a peace and joy comes or a red light on the other hand comes and let them never violate that red light or that green light because you are trying to protect their future. You've got them on a path and that path holds such good things for their future. But if they get off it, they're going to suffer. Lord, though you work with them as much as you can on the lesser path of your permissive will, but you want them on the main path of your perfect will because that's when everything is going to fall into place for them. And if they are led by the spirit, they'll find that path and they'll stay on it. So I thank you, Father, for helping them today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.